Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. We were talking about all the NTFL Grand Finals last weekend. Of course, Waratah victorious in the Men's Premier League with a win over Southern Districts. And the Pint Queen Ants, 40-point winners over Waratah in the Women's Premier League. We are now joined by the victorious coach of the Queen Ants, Ricky Nolan. Do we have you? Yeah, good day, Draco. How are you? Very good, thanks, mate. Thank you for joining us. I know you have a very busy schedule. Uh, you'd have to be extremely proud of the way your players were able to overcome a loss a fortnight ago to win comfortably in the end. Yeah, and then I suppose we're four goals down with seven minutes to go in the prelim final as well, so we escaped that one. So, yeah, played our best footy gum come grand final day. and Girls train pretty hard, so really good reward for effort. We'll talk a little bit about that. So, uh, absolutely thrilling win against St Mary's. Was that one of the better games? Obviously, you can't sit back and enjoy it because you were you were coaching, but that was one of the better games of women's Premier League football that I've seen in a long, long time, uh, at least excitement-wise. Uh, just a great spectacle of football. Yeah, it was. I won't say it's the greatest win that I've ever had because that would be a pretty big call, but... I think the scenes in the rooms after the game, I've never seen scenes, I've never seen scenes like that in all my time in football. So uh, the girls are really, really ecstatic. So it just means so much to them. So, yeah, the scenes were probably, I'm not saying it's the greatest win I've ever seen. I've never ever been involved in it, but by God, the scenes after the game were the, were the best I've ever seen. Mate, one thing, uh, now I've obviously never coached to, to your level, but we had a bit of a come from behind under-12s win when I was coaching, and I was coaching down south, and we come from 28 points uh, down for a bit of a drought-breaking win in, in one of the teams we haven't beat for a long time. And, mate, in these close games, I, I just all my strategy and, and composure goes out the window and all that sort of stuff. I can't imagine being in high stakes like a Women's Premier League preliminary final, seeing your team 19 points down at three-quarter time and still having that belief. What was your message? to the group at three-quarter time? Uh, just uh, stick to the process. We'd sort of done the work. So, and then I think footy is about having momentum. And once we got a bit of momentum, we just went sort of bang and the same on grand final day. So, yeah, just, yeah. Probably the message at three-quarter time, like I remember, was just don't give up and see what can happen. And that's what they did. They mm-hmm. didn't give up. And then the wheel, you know, the wheels just turned our way very, very quickly. Were you surprised that the Saints didn't throw someone like Daniel Ponta behind the ball? Yeah, they could have done it. It's easy to, it's easy to mm. sit back afterwards and say, he should have done this and he should have done that. And uh, and uh, it's, that's, that's the easy thing to do. And I think we all do that on Monday after every AFL game. So yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, they should have done this or they should have done that because you just in the moment, you just don't know. You know. There's many times on a Monday, off, a Monday I've thought, oh, yeah, maybe we should have made this move. You know, should have made this move. So it's easy to say at the time. But um, yeah, then that's, what you just gotta, that's probably why you have assistant coaches and people that... Have good people around you to jig your memory with that sort of stuff. Strategically, did you look at uh, making any changes to the Danielle Ponta matchup? I thought that she was comfortably best on ground uh, in the first half, and we spoke about that on radio before the game. That you know she's a game breaker and, and a player that, um, let alone being one of the best players or probably the best player in the NTFL, um, she's you know one of the most impactful players in the AFLW. Did you look at trying to do anything a little bit different after her first half? 
Uh, no, it was a bit of a hard one because I reckon we only had one player that could possibly go with her. And I said to a lot of people, you know, it's like, say, the districts were playing Waratahs on the weekend. If Mark, Marcus Bont and Pally had been playing for Southern Districts on the weekend, everyone would have tipped Southern Districts to win. And basically that's mm. what St Mary's had on the weekend. They had... She's not, I said the other way, she's not just a good player. She's one of the best players in the AFLW. So, um, yeah, we just... So a girl called Zoe McQueenie, who's really fit and really quick, went to us. Um, and she's played a bit of VFL football. At halftime, I just said, look, mate, you're the only one that can possibly get, get nearer. Uh, so I'm just going to have to stick with you. And you're just going to have to persist and you're going to have to show a lot of resilience. Uh, and I thought in the second half, she wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as impactful as she was in the first half. But, yeah, like, looking for other players to do it. We had no one in our team that could possibly go, go, go with someone of that quality. And that's what I was pretty proud with Zoe. She just stuck to, the, stuck to the task. And, yeah, it did nullify a little bit in the second half. Rick, we said on uh, Fridays in the top end when we were previewing the Women's Premier League final series that, uh, and, and obviously it's not as simplistic as this, but we were talking as a group that um, it was going to be Danielle Ponta versus Jasmine Hewitt. And obviously there is a lot of good names at Waratah as well. But we earmarked those two as potentially whoever had the biggest final series out of those two could go a long way in winning it for their team. Now, Jasmine Hewitt was phenomenal in the preliminary final and she backed it up in the grand final. Tell us a little bit about her and what she brings as a footballer. Yeah, she's she is a, as professional as anyone I've ever coached. You know, always doing extras, diets 100%, um, zero alcohol intake. So she takes her footy very, very serious. Obviously, she's just a, a superb athlete. But she's not just a great athlete. She works really, really hard at a game. I can remember she didn't have the greatest first semi-final. I didn't really go into why or whatever. But she just, I can remember she just said, oh, I'll never have another game like that again. And I sort of, as a coach, you're like Ripper. And then, yeah, she's gone out in the preliminary final. Uh, yeah, and rip that up hard in the second half and then the grand final. She was superb as well. Having coached uh, former and current AFLW players, do you think she has the potential to have more of an impact at that level? Yeah, 100%. I think it's her first, I don't know, not 100% all over, but her first stint at the Gold Coast, uh, the Adelaide Crow, she was injured, injured a lot of the time. Then she went to the Gold Coast. I don't think she really enjoyed it. You've got to enjoy the environment. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that you know, the football environment, that's also your living environment and all that. Didn't work out too well. Come back and then she went back to Adelaide um, and then played in the Premiership. Apparently she was dominating SANFL footy but just couldn't break in because I think they nearly went undefeated that year then broke in grand final day. Um, but as I said, that's a thing with women's sport at the moment. You know, she's just got in the fire brigade, which is a good career for the rest of her life. Be mm. given that up to to go down south, so she's in a rock and a hard place. So I, exactly, I reckon if she if she was to give a real good go, and as some people develop later in life as well, I think she'd be, she'd be a phenomenal AFLW player. But then she's stuck between uh, a good career. V is it worth giving that all up to yeah to possibly play five years of football? So and that's unfortunately with women's sport at the moment. Yeah. You've always got to be confident going into a grand final, but we're only human, mate, and obviously a loss last time you played Waratah. Uh, anything can happen on the day, but how were you feeling in the lead-up and what was your message to the group? Yeah, I, I was a little bit more... Con- like usually, the grand, grand finals, I think I'm going to lose or win, and the ones that I, that I thought <laughs> I'm going to win, I usually lose. So I was a little bit confident for a couple of reasons. Steph Lawrence had been a great player all year, and she rolled an ankle about three weeks out and just virtually didn't mm. train up until the first semi-final, and she didn't have a real good first semi-final. Had a great second half of the preliminary final. She's a great player, but I thought her injury 
probably set her back a, a bit. And the other one was, and she's a gun. The other one was Katie Stretter, who I think she only played one Premier League game all year, and I think she played about five B grade games. And was just building, and that's what she just she'd had a baby, so that's why she was, you know, she and she hadn't played real well in the finals. But I just thought again, she was building, and had just had enough games under her belt to to, to rip a rip a grand final apart. So they they're two people that I was hoping would play real well, and, and they did, and I think that really really helped. What happens from here, Rick? Do you go out and you know leave, do a Shane Crawford, and, and finish up with a premiership, or do you explore potential coaching vacancies in the men's Premier League? Yeah, as I said last time I spoke, I do want to get back in the men's space. Now, whether that's next year or whether it's in five years' time, I just sometime in the future, I'm really keen to get back into coaching men's footy. Probably the number one thing I want to do is coach uh, people that want to learn, you know, that really love mm. their game. And at the moment, that's that, that's the group I've got. That I'm fortunate that I've got a group that just get to train and train their train really really hard and they want to learn and that's the group that's that's what i'm chasing and i've got it right now so i don't know if if, if the problem is, you know the men's job come up that was really attractive with a really good committee and now they wanted me to coach them i, I you know, i'd certainly be open to it um yeah if not I'll, I'll stick to this unbelievable group that i've got at the moment what were your thoughts on the men's Premier League Grand Final? Obviously, Waratah 18 points winners over Southern Districts. That was about what I predicted. Not so much because um, I didn't think there was a, a gap between the two teams, but I thought, you know, as Grand Finals, they sort of Grand Finals are a good evener up, uh, and and there's a lot of closer games in Grand Finals normally than what you would expect. Um, and I knew that Shannon Rusker would prime his boys, and they'd come out to play. What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, sort of. When I watched the first semi between those two and Kirby Arnold got on top of Matt Dennis, I sort of thought, you don't poke the bear of a champion. Um, no, no. And I sort of thought, uh, and I've no, I know Matt Dennis a, a bit through because my brother's played in that same league that he played in, so I know him pretty well. I sort of thought that this bloke's going this bloke's to be the difference between whether Tars are going to win it or not. I thought Tars would win. But yeah, I just thought the, the bear had been you know, poke, you poke the bear of a champion. Look out! But that sort of went how I thought it was. I thought Matt Dennis was going to absolutely dominate, uh, and maybe have got districts out of the line. But I thought Tars were a better side on paper, and that, and then obviously Tars have got over. So the grand final went pretty much how I thought. I thought Tars would get over the line, but I, I just was very worried about Matt Dennis ruining their day. Yeah, you and me both, mate. I predicted Dennis for the Cheney because, and it was exactly what you said about the poking the bear situation. We were at the Nichols medal and I had a chat with Matt Dennis and, and he pulled me aside and said something along the lines of, I, I love that you wrote that Arnold, uh, you know, broke even or, or beat me and, and I'm not going to let that happen again. And geez, mate, I tell you, for a guy that was just enjoying himself at the Nichols, you could see that determination in his eyes. And even though it wasn't quite enough in the end, you knew that Dennis wasn't going to leave any stone unturned to his performance. Hey, how are uh, North Melbourne going to go this year? Yeah, so far, good win, but I suppose we we beat the, the second bottom side, so we can't get carried away, but I think things, I, when I go, to, I go to Melbourne a, a bit, and I'll just, uh, usually I'm heading there soon, I'll just go and watch AFL, as many AFL club trainings as I can, and I, I never miss North Melbourne training, so I was actually in Melbourne about two weeks ago and watched North train, and I just, sometimes I used to watch North train and go, God, I reckon St Mary's train at a higher level, higher level than what, you know, what this is at the moment. Um, but then I watched it, as I said, about a month ago, about two months ago, and I was really impressed. It's the first time I've walked away going, oh, that, that, that trainer was, you know, of a, a good standard, of a great standard, that's awesome. So, obviously, Clarko's got them turned around. They've gone to the draft. They've got good young kids coming through. Uh, probably, if they come bottom of the ladder talk, down the bottom for another year or two, probably to get that stock up. But I do think they're heading in the, you know, it's a club I love, and it's a, they're heading in the right direction. 
Mate, I don't know another guy from Darwin that attends as many AFL games as you do. How many did you go to last year and, and what's on the schedule this year? Yes, I'm heading to Melbourne. I'm actually in Ayers Rock right now. Um, doing a bit of a stint here with work. Yeah, then I'm going to Melbourne and I'll, yeah, I'll probably go to about four games a weekend and I'll probably head to as many trainer runs as I many try probably had to do about five trainer runs a weekend as well. So I love going down to Melbourne for about four to five weeks and just yeah, smashing AFL football. Do you see that as a bit of an educational thing too for your coaching? So when you're going to training, are you watching to see how these clubs train and, and trying to implement some of that stuff back home? Yeah, 100%. So my main reason I go to train, and I watch a lot of local clubs train, network with a lot of the best coaches in local mm. footy as well. So I always say every conversation I have is a, is a personal development to me or a PD to me. So I go down there and network with as many people as I can so then I can come back to implement implement that down south. And uh, Sorry, back in Darwin. And I've been, had four stints at AFL clubs as well for a one-week stint, mm. so that's really, really helped. And the funny story, I was watching Richmond train over the fence. Uh, well, I think it was this one last year and Xavier Clark and Morris Rioli and Daniel Rioli spotted me and I've come over and yeah, said g'day and that I was just on punt road overlooking the fence and then Xavier rang me up the next day and said oh do you want to come in you know be a guest to Richmond for the day and that was just I was inside the inner sanctum it was just so being I've had been exposed to a lot of that stuff that so really really helps no I can imagine all right last one from me you have to pick one Harry Sheasel or Jason Horn Francis Harry Sheasel every single day of the oh. week Jeez, you got your you got your blue and white hat on there, mate. But um, no, look, I, it's very hard to argue. He's had his 34 touches uh, on debut, which was very close to a record. I think it is a record for an 18-year-old. But I'm just as excited as old JHF playing at um, at Port. He looked pretty good last week, didn't he? Uh, he looks awesome, but he's broke me heart. So I'll be on my shoes with me now. <laughs> nah, fair enough. Junior Rioli can be your favourite Port uh, recruit. He's he's done a lot of good work for you when you were coaching. Some areas. Hey, Rick, very uh, good to have you speak again. Uh, congrats again on the Pint Queen Ant victory and enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. Thanks, Jacko. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter.